The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Hundreds of thousands of people were affected across Europe yesterday when many flights were cancelled and the delays continue because of air traffic control digital problems. And on top of this, it's believed that many pilots experience micro-sleep while they're working in the cockpit. To give us more of an insight into all of this, uh, retired Air Corps Lieutenant Colonel and Lecturer in Aviation Safety Management at DCU, Kevin Byrne. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Let's talk about micro-sleep. Sure. Now, maybe all of us have had a bit of micro-sleep yes, from time to time. We have. Where you drop off and suddenly you wake up. But what's this about pilots? Well, you see, they have a different diurnal rhythm, I suppose, like that. You know that, of course, there's flight time limitations on all aircrew, particularly pilots. So they go through time zones. They work by day and by night, short haul, long haul. It does have an effect on your ability to recuperate, you know, despite the time off you have. And it's not natural. So it's an unnatural place to be in some respects in a cockpit, you know. So sometimes they just zone out. And, and in fact, I had an experience of it myself recently driving towards Galway. I said, I couldn't remember if I'd passed Ballinasloe or not. You, you know, you're on autopilot to some extent. The yeah. car is between white lines. It does it for, you know, an hour and a half, whatever it might be. And I couldn't remember. I was a bit shocked by that. So that is a case, not so much of microsleep, but something close to it, where your capacity, your, your subconscious is taking charge of the machinery and you're not unsafe, yeah. but you can't remember what you've done. And it's true that in most cases, uh, the aircraft is perfectly safe because yes. it's on autopilot. And that's what's happening. Yes, the pilots are monitoring as regards uh, the aircraft and it's not flying it as such they don't have hands on from that point of view but I think they will cop out if there's an emergency or an alert goes off you're back to where you were and your training kicks in yes and it works very well and that's the whole point of simulation training Okay, now let's talk about what happened yesterday and I have to say I was shocked that there was no backup system for such an important uh, facility uh, which is not it appears operated by government no, the NATS is a system put in place. It's a semi-state organisation, but it does report to government. And I'd explain a bit if I can. We have to go back to a, a few fundamentals, Pat, if I may. Like yesterday was a summer's day uh, in Northern Hemisphere. It happened to be a bank holiday in the UK, which complicated matters a little bit. But on a, on a daily basis, um, in Northern Europe, there are ter- 30,000 flight plans, which generate 96,000 messages online, as it were. And that's all controlled by a place called the Network Manager Operations Centre in Europe control in, in Brussels. And Eurocontrol isn't just the European Union. It's 41 countries getting together, plus Israel and plus Morocco, which I'd forgotten about. And they all get together to try and sort out what is a capacity-based problem. There's little enough spare capacity in Northern Europe because, <coughs> excuse me, we have 12,000 flights a day. Wow. That's a lot of aircraft, of which 5,500 are handled by Swanwick. Swanwick is the air traffic control centre. It used to be near London. It's down on the south coast. It's what they call a vital installation. Now, I was lucky enough to visit there on a technical visit with my university students in the UK some years ago. But they gave us <coughs> a lecture which said by the year 2021, which is two years ago now, they'd back up to the backup. And this couldn't happen again. And yet it happened yesterday and they haven't told us why. So the backup to the backup didn't work yesterday. Now, when they announced that they had a difficulty, yes. they said that their technical people were looking for the fault. So they didn't even know what caused yes. it. They had to find it first and then fix yes. it. And fingers were pointed at, oh look, it's a hacking job. Somebody has done something to us. Malware is in there and that kind of thing. But that wasn't the case. They haven't told us exactly what it is. Maybe they don't know. But we must get to the root cause of this because if it happens once, it could happen again. And let me explain the effects if I, if I may. Um, they haven't, you know, been uh, shockproof from that point of view. But with all this uh, knock-on effects, we have a system whereby flight operations centres of airlines 
send in the flight plans before midnight for the next day yeah. to this Eurocontrol centre, as I've mentioned, the NMOC, to use the, the short term for it. And that works because it means we can work uh, with the 200 plus airports which need urgent and destination. Now, they all go to Brussels. All these flight plans go to you Brussels. You have to file a flight plan through Brussels to control it. You might do a local flight, but if it's your commercial airline going to a commercial airport, you must do this, otherwise you don't get looked at. And the computers look after that. And despite the differences in software in different places, they all work together. This failed, so they were doing what we used to do 40 years ago in, in air traffic in Baldonnell and, and tap the flight plans in by, by, by you know, mm-hmm. using typing machines and computers. That but kind it of didn't fail in Brussels, is that right? No, it didn't fail in Brussels. Yeah. It was a UK insert. But the knock-on effect is bad because many of the flights I just mentioned go through UK airspace yeah. going across the Atlantic. So we have huge complications. Um, if you have to input flight plans, by the time you do it, it might be too late. The flight time may have slipped in that regard. So the aircraft left on the ground and that has its own implications. But there are further complications, if I may, because in the EU we have things called hubs, long distance hubs and short distance hubs. People come to places like Frankfurt, Paris, Amsterdam, even Istanbul and Dubai, and they want to get from one flight to the other. You know yourself, you have maybe two hours flight time between them. That makes a total mess of it. Uh, Complicated further is the fact that Heathrow has got two runways. It's the busiest two runway airport in the world. And Gatwick has a single runway and it's the most, it's the busiest single operation in the world. So there's a huge magnet into the UK. In the Irish context, I have to say the second busiest route in the world is Dublin-London, which surprises very many people. Mm -hmm. So we have a huge connection with the four or five airports in London. So the complication starts to knock up. Once you miss one slot on a summer's day, you know, as we discussed before, low-cost carriers, of which there are very many in Europe, hundreds of aircraft, if not thousands, they need a 25-minute turnaround time. When you lose that ability to come around... the knock-on, knock-on, The knock-on, knock-on is serious. It's not just for today or in the case of yesterday. Because you don't necessarily know, if you're taking a Ryanair flight, and and they have a massive network. They have a huge network. You don't know where that flight you're you're going, say, from Dublin to uh, maybe Sweden. Yes, but you don't know whether that flight is actually originating in Dublin, the aircraft, or Frequently whether it's it coming in from no, Spain. No, I've seen aircraft depart from, say, Porto in Portugal, and they go to Italy, but then they go to Norway and back to Italy and back to Porto. The flight time, we need to make money in flying. You have to do perhaps 12 or 14 hours a day, which is very tightly controlled. You can slip a little bit here and there like that, but you cannot leave an aircraft, as was on the case on radio. We're going at 11. Oh, no, it's three. Oh, no, it's four, if we have a slot. But the crew, unfortunately, may be out of... Hours. Hours flying time. So the aircraft is left there. Worse from the airport's point of view, passengers are backing up in the terminal and we've lost the parking space. The aircraft is left on the concrete. Yeah. There isn't enough concrete for all of the aircraft flying. Yeah, because you depend on a lot of them being in the air at exactly. any given time. That's the whole point. In and out. So, the, so there's a complication there. Yesterday, if I may use a fact, there were 3,049 flights due to depart the UK and 3,054 coming into the UK. By half past two in the afternoon, they'd cancelled it seems a small number, 8% or 232 going out and 271 coming in, 9%. That doesn't look like much. We could handle that, mm. but we can't because it's such a finely tuned machine, do you see? So it got very complicated. We had air crew and aircraft and air crew in the wrong locations at the wrong time and the long distance ones 
it makes a, a mountain of a problem in that regard. So how long to, to, to catch up on all of this? Will it be, you know, days? Be day, it will be days. I mean, they, you got the impression it was a small outage for seven, eight hours, where it was, but it has a huge knock-on effect. Uh, there were people, uh, you know, they were on various TV stations last night and they said, look, the best we can do, this is Monday, our kids go to school on Tuesday, we're going to work on Wednesday, but we can't get a flight out of this particular Spanish airport until Thursday. There's simply no time. Once you lose a slot or a, yeah. a return flight, you've lost 400 people. And when all of Europe is affected, it's yes. not as if you can yeah. take the train to another place and no. get a flight from there. So this is a, the UK has a huge implication for Europe, even though it's not in the EU. That doesn't matter from that point of view. And you can't replace these people. You can't put them on trains or ferry boats. Now, or now Kevin, the worrying thing. thing is that, I mean, you and I have talked about the modern Boeing, the modern Airbus yes. and how they're flown by wire. Computers, actually, uh, you know, if you have a problem, you can't grab the stick like in all those disaster movies and pull the stick back. No, but in the aircraft, we've had this and we've flown the simulators. They have triple redundancy. So if one system goes, hey, we've got the other one and then there's a third one to go, you know, and it, it will get you down, so to speak. Um, even hope. Well, no, it will work in the aircraft, but in the air traffic system, this is messaging. This is telling us what flights go off. If it doesn't have a clearance to go, it doesn't go. The flight doesn't exist if the flight plan isn't in the end mock system and herein lies the problem if you can't send it in by if you have to type it in how could you type in you know 30,000 flight plans it just doesn't work in one day Okay but the, the problem was in Swanwick Yes So uh, all the flight plans that we had for example would have been put into Brussels Yes so and they would have worked Except the Except. flow, the flow control. Here's where it gets a bit sticky, so to speak. Some airports, maybe Heathrow, would have 50 movements, you know, inbounds and outbounds, a, a, an hour. Some of the rate of of landings was down to four per hour, and in some places they had to clear zero. They simply couldn't find out what was coming into the airspace and departing, so they were literally left, you know, high and dry. And they couldn't inform the passengers. And this is where it gets a bit personal. They can't say to the passenger, "Oh, by the way, this is delayed until six o'clock, but we'll have you out on that." They didn't know. They so, didn't know. So panic now, set in. Now, in terms of air traffic control, we always think of, you know, mid-air disasters and so yeah, on. Yeah. But presumably the, the, the people who are running that, the air traffic controllers, would have sight of all the transponders yes. and be able to do their job anyway. And that wasn't a problem. Air safety wasn't compromised over Europe. What was is just the physical control. The fi- it's like saying, oh, by the way, we've got uh, clearance to put, you know, 10,000 trucks to the toll uh, tunnel or whatever it might be like that, but we haven't got the registration numbers, nor do we know when they're arriving. So I said, well, nobody can go until we, we find it out. We can't have the, the panic that would set in without information. Information is gold. Kevin, it's absolutely fascinating, but they have to put redundancy into that system as promised. And proven. It must be proven in simulation and in reality, Pat. Kevin Byrne, a retired Air Corps Lieutenant Colonel, lecturer in Aviation Safety Management at DCU. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.